Hey guys, UWB COO, United We Boog. This is our first podcast uh, and we're really happy to have you guys listening. We're really, really proud of the progress that we've made in such a short period of time. Along with me today is the founder, uh, Justin Barrow. Uh, unfortunately, couldn't be here with us. He's currently over telecom and we just got him linked into our system. So hopefully it's smooth for you guys and you guys can hear him clearly. Um, but yeah, Justin, go right ahead, man. Hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, extremely excited to be here for our very first podcast. I hope you guys are, too. Uh, we have a lot of good information. Um, we have an incredible man running up the podcast, Drake Bentley, um, as you guys will definitely find out. So hopefully we can push out some new information to educate you guys and definitely uh, you know, get that like-minded mindset going. Um, yeah, what's, what's going on, Drake? What are you thinking? Awesome, dude. Love the introduction. So uh, I'd like to just touch up on what UWB is real quick. You know, we're not going to spend a long time on it because I think people have the general idea already via our posts and our website. So real quick, I'm just going to read directly from our About Us page at unitedweboot.com. So the mission of UWB is to educate the masses on our constitutional values, to challenge corruption, to discuss, learn, and develop. We also aim to raise awareness on the rights and wrongs of modern day America, regardless of political affiliation, religion, race, or ethnicity to unite as one for a cause greater than ourselves, and to develop a nation for our future generations to come. It only took 3% of the population to fight a war for true freedom and to develop one of the greatest nations in human history. Our goal is if that day comes to have higher than 3% and uphold what's right. And leading into that, uh, I'd like to just talk a little more about UWB. Um, so it doesn't matter what political affiliation you're with. I don't care if you're left wing. I don't care if you're right wing. Let's sit down and have a discussion because what we tend to see is is that one side is upset at the other. They block the other out and they don't want to talk to one another. And that's not how freedom is. That's not how America was meant to be developed. Is just because you disagree with something, you block that opinion out completely. All avenues of freedom need to be approached. And every bit of discussion needs to go into it before violence is taken. Because what we tend to see is, is that people, they don't want to talk. They go out in the streets. They get in these rallies. The two sides clash and violence ensues. Our job as Americans is to work together with Americans. And that's why we're here. Absolutely. So uh, I'll go ahead and hand it over to Barrow. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Uh, so, you know, 23 years old, active duty Air Force, uh, military upbringing for sure. My dad was in the Marine Corps and everything like that. So... I was always raised on having those really, you know, constitutional rights. He didn't tell me what they were growing up, but I knew what our basic rights were as Americans. Um, definitely something that I have been seeing in the few short years uh, leading up to this is, I don't know, i just seen there's a lot of corruption going on. There's a lot of weird backwards things that I don't quite understand. Uh, and there's a, I think there's a big problem where people aren't really uniting. Everybody's kind of against each other. The government has done a great job of dividing us of who we are, and uh, I think it's really important that somebody actually has a voice to really, truly unite us. I agree. I couldn't agree more. So um, a little bit about me. Uh, I'm 25 years old. I was born and raised out of Fort Smith, Arkansas. Uh, lived in Texas. I was stationed in Arkansas, stationed in Texas, and stationed in South Carolina. I uh, was fortunate enough to be able to join the Guard at the age of 17. I was in the Arkansas National Guard, transferred to the Texas National Guard, where I then picked up an active duty slot where I was able, uh, not AGR, but full-time active duty, where I'm now on an active duty assignment. And here soon, I'll actually end up heading to Nevada, and we'll have a real interesting time out there. Um, some decent amount of experience while I was in the Guard, I was able to uh, hold down GS, GS positions. Um, I've worked for the government pretty much my whole life. I've also worked for a high-profile security uh, teams, um, luckily whenever I was younger. So it brought a lot of experience, able to go through certain schools, um, and 
it's brought me here today. Um, just like you, my dad, he was in the Marines. And ever since I was growing up, you know, he's been big on teaching me about the constitutional values. Um, and luckily for me is I have a direct ancestry to the founding of this nation because one of our uh, founding fathers is a found, is one of my family members, Robert Morris. Uh, he signed the Declaration of Independence, um, and that's a really big deal to me. And so just not too long ago, back in February, I was able to uh, go down to Washington, D.C. for the first time, which is important for me because I've always wanted to go, and I think it's important that if you ever want to get into a political atmosphere, um, you should ju jump right into it by starting out at Washington, D.C., um, there's a lot of history there and very, very important history there. And I was able to see, you know, the original constitution. I was able to see the original declaration of independence That's amazing. and I was able to see, you know, uh, my family member up on the wall, um, with the other founding fathers. And so it was a really big deal to me. But, uh, you know, I think that now's the time to unite and stand for something, you know, whether you agree with Trump or disagree with Trump, whether you, uh, or Democrat, Republican, whether you're black, white, Asian, Hispanic, it does not make us a difference. We are here for you, and we want to educate you, and we want to be educated by you. So as this grows, hopefully it gets into something good. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely agree. Um, so what are some of the topics that you kind of want to get on uh, so, for this first podcast? Because obviously we have a lot going on uh, currently right now, especially within our own government, uh, and also the world, obviously, with coronavirus, COVID-19. Um, you know, what are some things that I guess you would like to hit on personally today? You know, coronavirus is a big one. It's a really big one. And the reason why it's a big one is not only are people dying, um, and that's ext extraordinarily unfortunate, but that's just how illnesses work. Of course. Um, you know, there's two types of flus, and coronavirus is a type of flu. So there's two types of flus. There's those that affect people or infect people effectively, and there's those that kill people effectively. And only one other time in history has this been combined to create one massive flu, and it was called the Spanish Influenza. And it was directly after uh, World War I. Uh, killed about 50 million people, which is a really big deal. Um, and so, but also another reason why it's a big deal is because the government shut down, uh, the re um, states being shut down. And so I wanted to discuss that because I think it's really important on our constitutional values. Um, we're kind of getting a 60-day free subscription of what communism is like in this country. Yeah, basically. Um, and I think that that's really interesting. You know, we've had to change our daily lives overnight and not in a good way. Um, now, I understand to a certain degree of being cautious, but at what point should you be cautious and throw, uh, throw aside your freedoms? Now, that's a very gray area to talk about. Uh, it really is. you have is. a lot of different avenues of approach, a lot of different rabbit holes that, you know, jump down and discuss there. Um, I think, for me personally, when I think it's actually time to stop and say, you know, what's going on and actually, you know, take a stand for something, uh, really, for me, that's going to be an absolute infringement of my rights. Obviously, being military, we haven't quite felt this uh, quarantine as much as others. Correct. Uh, obviously, having our salary and stuff like that, but... And no showing lot. up to work. Exactly, and showing up to work and all these things. But if, you know, this coronavirus is what it says it is, we are putting ourselves at a, you know, very much higher risk. Um, I don't know. It's, uh, I think for me, it would have to be something like confiscation of weapons. It would have to be something that I truly feel, you know, down to my core that is just absolutely evil and not right. Well, see, and that's where I'm going to have to, so I agree and I disagree with you. Um, and the reason why I disagree with you is because our founding fathers said it. Benjamin Franklin said that if you choose safety over liberty, then you deserve neither. And so I admire those individuals who are going out in public and they're still protesting because a normal human being, a normal American, 
isn't a scientist, so we're not privy to the knowledge. So how do we know that what's happening out there is actually happening out there? Secondly, you know, we're seeing a lot of these reports where people are um, dying of other illnesses and they're being counted as coronavirus deaths, um, which is kind of strange. Why would the government choose to count that as coronavirus deaths? Yeah, that's a very that's a very interesting topic, and I think that's going to bring up a lot of different types of corruption things. I think there's a lot of scandals and stuff that we've definitely been hearing about lately uh, with this whole uh, Epstein Island and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it just goes to show that there's a lot of stuff that we don't understand what's happening, you know, actually within our government. Absolutely, I agree. Um, now, do you think do you think that this is for our you know for our own protection, for our health and safety? You know, I, I'll be honest with you, I'm not experienced enough or in the know to give an educated opinion on that. Um, so my wife, uh, she's our tech person. She's actually sitting right next to me. Um, she is, she has an autoimmune issue where she gets sick very easily. And so I found myself battling between what I want to do as an American to uphold our rights by protesting, but I've also seen that maybe I don't want to risk my wife getting sick. Um, so just a little background, last May she ended up uh, having a seizure because uh, she has epilepsy from a TBI while she was in the military. And she ended up dying, um, and I fortunately was there, and I was able to bring her back. Um, and she's her health has kind of declined as far as her immune system goes. She's still like, you know, she looks great, um, but her health, uh, her immune system is going down. And so um, I found myself waging that battle. And I think back what I just quoted, which was Benjamin Franklin, and I'm having a tough time um figuring out whether this is a real thing or this is something that's sort of a political agenda uh, because we have seen it before where something's a hot topic of the day and then all of a sudden two weeks later it's gone and we forget about it. And it's just really challenging because we're both young and even older people from other generations have never experienced anything like this. So what do we do as Americans? What's the appropriate thing? And I've had a, I've had a few theories. Um, maybe the healthy able-bodied people should go out and protest. Um, but those who are do have autoimmune issues, who do have underlying health problems, should probably stay home and let those um, exercise their rights on their behalf. Absolutely. Um, so I think that that's something to think about. But one big thing that I have been thinking about a lot lately is the economical impact of this. Because what's going to happen, because we have 23 million people that, ha that are unemployed right now, and I'm probably wrong in the statistic uh, exactly, but every 1% that the unemployment rate goes up, I believe 40,000 people die. And I don't think a lot of people know about that. Um, and that's a really interesting fact. Now, can you push some more information on that? So, I, what do you... so uh, I can't push a whole lot into it because I remember uh, uh, doing some research on the unemployment rate. And it said something uh, along the lines of every time 1% of the unemployment rate goes up, uh, I, it was like 30,000, 40,000 people in America die from whether it's like starvation or poverty or drug abuse, but they end up clinging to these other lifestyles, which gotcha. I think is really interesting. But I, I think that the economical impact after this is all over with is going, the death toll is going to be greater from people not able to pay their bills, from mental health problems. Uh, you know, all sorts of things is going to be greater than the coronavirus that we're battling right now. Oh, um, you know, we're, we're, we are on the brink of an economical collapse. You know, the Dow Jones two weeks ago was at a lower point than it was in 2007. 
during the housing crisis, and I think that's a really big deal. That doesn't seem uh, something that we've actually been talking about too much. Now, why is that? Uh, wh what part? I, I mean, for it being lower than it was previously with the housing market crash. Uh, well, again, it's the coronavirus. It's shut down the economy, so people aren't able to uh, exercise their freedoms. By that, I mean they're not able to go back and forth to work. They're not able to spend their money where they choose. Oh, they're kind of confined in the house, so there's no circulation of money. And whenever there's no circulation of money, you start seeing uh, – companies shut down because they have no revenue. You start to see a decrease in the market. Um, and that's where we stand right now. Um, so yeah, it's just really uh, all around it's going to be kind of a shitty situation to pull ourselves out of. I definitely agree. Um, and it's sort of a really, really tough spot, especially in modern day America. You know, this is nothing that we've ever dealt with before. Well, I think the hot topic right now to discuss is going to be you know, how long is this going to last? How long is this quarantine actually going to last? And what everybody's been talking about is this second wave. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, everybody actually going out wanting to spend their stimulus money actually out in all the stores and stuff like that. It's going to be, you know, if this is what it actually, you know, they're hyping it up to be, this actually might be something really disastrous. Absolutely. And again, that's where I'm torn is I'm not a subject matter expert. I can only take what it is that the media is telling me. Of course. And I can only do so much with that. Um, it's just, it's a really strange unprecedented issue that the whole world is facing together, but America is really facing the impact of it. Uh, what I'm kind of curious about also is after the coronavirus, what's going to happen with the elections? Because it's election year. So what's going to happen? You know, um, I, I believe 28 million mail-in ballots went missing in the last election. And that's a big deal. I think it was 28 million in the last, what, four years? Yeah, that, that's a that's, big, that's, that's a, a massive big deal. Number. You're right. That's and that's what they're number. trying to introduce right now is the idea. So that kind of also makes you think with your mindset, like, well, they want Trump out of office, obviously. Absolutely. So that, you know, kind of makes you think, are we are we milking this quarantine? Are we milking it a little bit too much? Government? For political gain. For political gain. Absolutely. obviously right now, Trump is doing a lot of damage right now to what has, you know, been established. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's... I'm not a big conspiracy person. And the reason why I'm not a big conspiracy person is because I tend to find a lot of nutcases. I tend to find a lot of people who don't think logically, they don't think things through, and they just cling on to something without looking at the facts because their favorite YouTuber said, oh yeah, well this happened. Look, I think that majority of them are bullshit, but I do believe that there is a good bit of real ones. And I do believe that there is also a political and government agenda to... Um, discredit real ones by adding in bullshit ones. But what I will say is I do think it's a little strange that after Trump's impeachment was it was shown that he wasn't going to be impeached, suddenly this virus hit. Yep. It's just, you know, it, it's just a little it's not even good timing. It's just a little, it's very suspicious. Well, that's where you get into these lines of, you know, being a conspiracy theorist or just generally looking at some facts that are lining up. Yeah, you're um, right. Not necessarily in this direct situation. Obviously, with this worldwide spread, you know, virus, this is obviously a lot bigger than, hopefully, a lot bigger than what, you know, a government can do. Um, but I don't know. It just makes you open your eyes as to actually, like, what's happening. Um, we've had a lot of stuff happen in our nation that it's like we have no answers for. You're right. We have no, you know, reason for cause. We have nothing. Uh, so it definitely, I think, as American people, it's important we start opening our eyes. I agree. So I agree. what's going on. You know, um, I think people do need to be open-minded. Uh, we need to look at everything from every angle. Of course. Um, and, again, you know, that's just where, as human beings, we get caught up in this mindset of, 
it's really scientific denial. Are you familiar with scientific denial? I could definitely so, go into it. I might. So scientific denial is essentially like, let's say that everything that you built your life off of, right, uh, is proven to be false, okay? Right. Like your entire perspective is wrong, but people have built their entire life on it, even though given the facts, they choose to still live that lifestyle, even though everything about it is wrong. And I believe that that's what we're battling right now, is that we're not battling an open dialogue and a communication, and people aren't open-minded because they're so constricted in their views, whether they're right-wing, left-wing, you know, uh, liberals, conservatives, whatever it is, you know, um, and they don't want to work together to see the bigger governmental agenda, if there even is one. And I'd also like to clarify that I don't think all government is bad. I think that government serves an incredible purpose, but I do believe that the current government that we're dealing with is overreaching extraordinarily, uh, extraordinarily dangerous um, uh, precedents. Um, you know, it's just, we live in a weird time right now, man. We live in a very weird time. You know, we live in a time where everybody gets their information about their political, like, ideology. They get this from social media. They get it from looking at memes on Facebook. They get it from people sharing their own personal opinion. Tanya, you know, two doors down. Whatever she believes in, you read it on Facebook, and you immediately start thinking that, you know, they're telling the truth. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and what I also find is, is that a lot of people, they don't do their research. Is they'll read one article about something that they feel uh, that they feel that they should speak on, and they'll read one article about it, and so suddenly they're the subject matter experts. Whenever that's not how it works. Whenever I choose to research something, what I do is is I have about ten news apps, and I use, also use independent news articles. Name some stuff of those like off, just so. So uh, one of my favorites by far, and I think it's super underrated, is SOFREP, Special Operations Forces Report. So it's all former CIA, FBI, combat controllers, PJs, Navy SEALs, Delta operators. And they're out there in the field writing these reports, writing this news, and that's a really big deal. And I feel like that's something that is underrated is frontline reporting. And what was that called again? Softrep, S-O-F-R-E-P. Okay. And that's something that I think a lot of people should get on. Now they do they do require a subscription, but the thing is people don't do these things for free. Um, you know, these guys are out there risking their lives and they're kicking ass and they're taking names. Um, and so they do expect a little bit of kickback to be out there doing what they're doing and reporting on what they're reporting on. Um, you know, I rely, uh, no, I don't rely, but I do use Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, um, and I just compare and contrast stories, and then I go to independent articles from these little small news agencies, and I pull up, and generally, after a certain amount of research, you tend to find the facts, and if you can't find the facts, then there's probably something a little more going on, um, but yeah. Wasn't that generally what's happening with us right now? Yeah, this absolutely. This is the exact situation we're in. Is You're that, right. You know, we can't find true news anywhere. You're right. And that's why we're here, exactly, is exactly. not necessarily to be a news outlet, but for people to come and speak their opinion and another educated individual to either combat that opinion, agree with it, but to think, exactly. to educate. And I think showing a, a solid dialogue between people that may or may not have you know, different views is very important. Uh, whether they're able to actually have those conversations or not, I think actually listening to the conversations that we're going to be able to provide, uh, I think people will definitely be able to get some education out of it. I agree. You know... Um, we already have a couple of guests lined up. Um, it's going to take some time because this coronavirus stuff, it's PCSing season, so I'll be leaving soon. Uh, there's deployments that are kicking up. We're not going to go too much into that because of OPSEC, respectfully. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, I have a couple of guests lined up. I have one that was a, uh, uh, a prisoner for a little bit. Um, he served in the Army, Army for a long time. He's retired Army. 
and uh, I'm not going to announce any names or anything right now because he is good to do it, but I don't want to tell his story for him and without his permission. No, of course, of course. Um, you know, he, uh, uh, he was pardoned by George H.W. Bush, and that's a really big deal. Uh, and there's a lot that goes into that story. And this man's knowledge is huge just in everything that's going on. Um, so I'm really looking forward to it. I have, uh, I, fortunately, I used to work with a CIA counterpart uh, whenever I worked for USSI. Um, and I'm hoping that I can reconnect with him and try to get him on the podcast because uh, he was a case agent for, I believe, 23 or 25 years. And then he retired about five years ago. So I think he'd be really interesting to have on. Um, we have a couple combat veterans, have a couple people that are really articulate with, uh, with politics, with science. Um, you know, just a lot of interesting people that can bounce conversations back and forth and yeah, uh, make people open up their mind. Absolutely. Yeah, so man, uh, what else you got? Um, I'm trying to think. Well, I guess uh, a good question for you would be, uh, where did you find this inspiration? I know you talk about political office and uh, you know, some of the things that you want to do later on in life. Uh, where where did you find this inspiration, this love for Constitution, actually upholding your individual freedom? So, uh, what inspired you? You know, you know, I wouldn't, and this is going to sound weird. Um, I don't really know what inspired me. I've always just felt connected to it, um, and I can't put my finger on it. It's just always been something that I've that's been a driving force. Now, I wasn't always successful. Like I wasn't always like on top of my shit. I'm still not today. Like there's tons of stuff that I mess up, of course, yeah. and that I'm a failure in. Whenever I was younger, you know, I was a, I was just, I wasn't a loser, but I wasn't a cool kid either. You know, I was just different. I was a piece you know, of I wasn't. Shit, I'll be honest, <laughs> dude. A lot of us are. Yeah. Um, you know, and, but no matter what, I've always, and even though I didn't express it whenever I was younger, I've always found this need to seek answers on things like this. And one really good source that I've found is uh, the Institute for Justice, which is a, it's a group of lawyers that goes around, they bounce around from state to state, city to city, and you can call them up anytime if you're having a constitutional problem, and they'll sue your city um, uh, or your state or whatever, whatever it is. Yeah, it's really, really interesting work. Um, but yeah, so my, my, the things that have pushed me is because I would like to be a lawyer one day. That's something that I'm dead set on because... It's law is super interesting to me, um, and lawyers tend to be very articulate. They're very smart, and I don't want to be a, a, a you know a weasel or a snake. You know, I want to be able to help people, and I'd love to get into human rights and constitutional rights and be able to assist people that you know don't have the money. Because what what I tend to see is is um, in lower poverty communities, there's a lot of corruption that's taking place within their oh, local government. Yeah, and they don't have the money or the resources to be able to sue their local government, so they just have to, they just have to keep putting up with it. And so my goal would be is to eventually be able to establish myself as a lawyer and be able to sue the local governments that are infringing on people's rights. And I would also really enjoy, um, now it, it's going to be difficult, but I would really enjoy being a politician. And the reason why is, is because I don't hold back. If I feel something or I feel like something's wrong or corrupt, I'm going to let you know. And it doesn't matter who you are or what position you're in, I'm going to tell you. Now, I may pull you into a room and we may, we may discuss it, but we're going to discuss it. Um, and I also have really firm beliefs on a lot of political ideologies that are really open-minded. Now, I do identify more right-wing than I do left-wing, but I'm really open-minded. Um, so I, I have a way of being able to communicate and talk to people that I think a lot of people connect with. You know, I am just this common dude. You know, I wasn't raised in a house of wealth. 
Um, my dad worked his ass off. My mom worked her ass off. Uh, and you know, it made me who I am today. Um, and I just want to be better and I want to help people around me. And I'm not concerned about the, the monetary aspect of it. That's never been something that's, that's motivated me. Um, I just want to be able to assist people with what's right. Absolutely. And that's, that's really kind of, I wouldn't say inspires me because I've just always felt this way. So like I, I consider inspiration something where you just woke up one day and you're like, oh shit, I need to do this. You know what I mean? This is just something that like I feel like in my fibers. Like, it's not sheepdog mentality. Yeah, absolutely. You know, is I just feel like the need to protect people and the need to do what's right. Now, am I gonna? Will I make it far in politics? Who knows? You know, generally people who shoot straight don't make it too far. No, of course. You know, um, unless you're like Gowdy or somebody like that. You know, uh, <laughs> he made it really far, and I really respect him. Um, but uh, you know, yeah, that, that's just where I am right now. Absolutely. And uh, I feel like this is a good starting point. And I'd like to be able to take this to higher limits. I'd like for other people to be able to listen to us and go in with an open mind instead of just thinking, oh, they're right, they're wrong, you know. Just listen, you know. And yeah. if you have an input, come to us. And that's a big thing, too, to make sure uh, that everybody understands is anybody that does hear this, uh, if you truly have any just kick-ass stories, if you at one point in your life were, you know, a badass Marine, you were getting deployed, you have some awesome stories, all the way to the most normal civilian uh, that just has some really good points and knowledge within what's going on. Uh, we want to talk to everybody. Um, and if you would like to be on the podcast, if you would like to actually, you know, discuss with us and, uh, you know, hopefully get an invitation, um, that would be that would be really great for everybody to actually be able to speak. Absolutely. No, and that's the point of this platform is to exercise our rights and to have people on here with different ideas, different different uh, different lifestyles you know because what what I tend to see also is that a lot of people from different facets of life whether they're rich poor black white they don't communicate and they don't and whenever they do they either don't communicate appropriately or they just block the person out and that's the point is I want people to come in here and speak you know I may completely disagree with what it is that you're saying and I'll tell you that I disagree with it but I'm not going to sit here and berate you you have the constitutional right to feel the way you feel and I'm not going to step on that absolutely that's pretty well said. Absolutely, dude. Pretty well said. That's what we're here okay. for. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, what I'm really curious about is uh, Joe Biden. What do you, What have you been seeing? What do you think? All right. So I'm going to be honest. Uh, it, I cannot speak too firmly on it. I'm a little bit uneducated, but what I do know uh, is there's a lot of talk about the sexual assault. Yeah. Um, I know uh, from personally watching videos that he likes the smell of uh, young girls' hair. It's a little odd, uh, some of the things that I'm seeing, the way he's grabbing and everything like that. There's a, I don't know, there's some stuff that I definitely have been questioning a little bit, and now this uh, sexual assault allegation's out, so what, uh, what do you think? Of you know, I think all around the situation's really strange. Uh, I do believe that he has some sort of mental issue. Uh, he's stuttering over his words, he can't speak appropriately. Now I understand that, you know, there's nervousness. I'm nervous right now because this is my first time doing this, you know. But a career politician where he's spoken in front of people his entire life and he's getting up there and he's not making any sense with what he's saying or the things that he's saying are just so off the wall they're insane, that's a big deal. And you have to look a little deeper and I do think his age should be considered. Um, you know, and to a certain degree I feel for the Democratic people. And the reason why is because I know that they want Trump out of office. But they're hurting their campaign because they're just clinging on to somebody and he's not a good candidate. You know, and his sexual assault allegations allegations are really interesting because he uh, the, the news outlets that are currently posting them, 
They're, te- they're the same people who told us to follow the Me Too movement. They're the people that told us to believe these blind allegations. And now, since it's their candidate, because you know all media ends up backing some sort of politician, of whether they say it or not, they do. CNN is Democrat, Fox News is Republican, and usually they're both wrong. Um, but I think it's really interesting, these news outlets that are telling us to believe these allegations without any due process four years ago against right-wing individuals, or really any individual, but mainly right-wing individuals you were seeing, uh, just believe them blindly, are now telling us not to believe the allegations because it's going against their candidate. And I think that that's really interesting because I think it shows the agenda that the media has. And I think everyday people are seeing this happen. I agree. But where, where, where do they start? What's the first step to actually cause change? Because they're, they're looking at a multi-million dollar you know, you know, production set right there. They're looking at you know, a, a, something that they're not going to be able to have any effect on. So you're saying, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're asking what, would, what do you think I would do if I was in a situation and not be able to voice my opinion against them? Exactly. For everyday people that are listening right now like that are actually you know, very... They're feeling the same thing we're feeling. They're listening to exactly what we're saying, and they're saying, yeah, I've been noticing that. What is what is something that they can do? So first off, um, and it's kind of a, uh, a leading answer into the business, get involved with UWB. Absolutely. We're no bullshit. We're not going to sit here and lie to you. No bullshit. And uh, we'll call them out. Uh, now, we don't have a huge platform right now, but I pray that one day we do. And we can call those people out. And the thing is, is that I think people need to go out and say it. You know, it, don't say it just on Facebook. Don't say it just on Instagram. Which there's nothing wrong with that. But when's the last time you heard about a social media uh, taking over on a revu- on a revolution or making a constitutional change? Um, you know what I mean. Think about that. Um, so get out and get involved. Protest. Mail your people. Talk to them. Talk to your local politicians. Talk to your state representatives. That's what they're there for. They, now, you may not be able to speak to them directly, and they might have someone that, that sits in their place to take their messages for them, but nonetheless, they're going to get that message, and I think that that's important. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's hard competing with a multi-million dollar company. You yeah. Know? Uh, very, very challenging, um, But because money does, money rules things, you know, and- In this society, it does. It, it does, you know, money is, money is power, um, and- Especially if you have politicians in your pocket and you have money, then that's the absolution of power in today's society is what can you do? What can the average American do? And I would say just getting involved, uh, speaking out, um, you know, understanding your constitutional rights and your values as an American um, and going out and speaking out against the things that you disagree with or you agree with. Because, again, not all government's bad. I think uh, something that I've been feeling is honestly just a feeling of overall just honestly being scared, uh, seeing the American people, how many people, you always hear the term uh, sheeple, and just blindly leading, blindly following, and it's uh, it's something that we've been seeing a lot of. You're right. Actually a massive amount of, and you see it just by going on social media. You see how people are following these trends. They're not actually looking at what's going on right now. Um, so it's, I don't know, I, I think that we are coming into this really at perfect timing. I think creating something that literally has a a message of unity, a message of, you know, we're not going to, you know, berate you for who you are, what you believe in. We don't care who you are. You know what I mean? As long as you truly believe in, you know, the message we're trying to send and you really want to truly unite as the American people, it's just, I don't know. I think we're going to be able to do a lot of good with this. I pray. I hope we will. You know, it's a, it's a really big deal that the Ameri- American people unite um, because divided, we can't accomplish things. You know, we've seen what Congress has done for the last 10 years. You know, they've just fought each other. 
or 12 years. You know, we've, we've just seen them fight each other. Now, what, um, one and, thing before we get too far, talking on the political, yeah, what's up, uh, political side, Bernie Sanders. That is something that I wrote down. I needed to ask about that. Now, why did he drop out? Is, am I not mistaken? That's not the first time, right? So, uh, you know, I don't, I don't really know too, a lot about Bernie Sanders. And the reason why I don't know a lot about him is because I kind of think he's a fad. I think he's something that a lot of the left just clings onto for a temporary time, and then they dump. Now, do a I fad, right? F A D. Yeah. Fad. Fad. Yeah. He's a fad, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Yeah. So right. I think he's a fad. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I see what you mean. No, no. I I, I don't talk like that. Um, so uh, I think that he's just something that the left clings onto because I th- I think that uh, the majority of America understands that his mentality just isn't going to work. And but from a marketing standpoint, it's a very, very ingenious way of saying, you know, you can get everything for free. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's a, almost a guaranteed way to get yourself in office is by telling everybody that you can have whatever you want. And that's essentially what communism is. You know, um, so communism, specifically a political theory derived from Karl Marx advocating class war leading to a society in which all property is publicly owned and each person works and is paid according to their abilities and needs. And that's essentially what Bernie Sanders is advocating. You know, I, I, uh, I do agree with some of his points. I agree with some of it, um, especially for the lower class, uh, because I do believe the lower class needs a lot of help. But I also believe that some, at some point, the lower class does need to be held responsible for being in this position that they're in. Is if you can't tell me that if you work your ass off for ten years, you're still going to be in the same position you're in. That's just poor management. That's poor time management. That's poor money management. And you made bad life decisions. But there, there is a temporary time that needs to exist where the lower class needs to be helped out. Absolutely, and I think, I think, and that's that's one of the big things that that I that really attracts me. Now, I, I would never vote for Bernie Sanders as of now. I'm not saying never, but I wouldn't vote for him as of now. Um, but that's one of the things that, that does attract me to him is his ideology on the lower class because those people do need help. And I think I think that is a very good point you just made saying that they do need help. But I also think it's a very solid point, uh, something that I would feel wrong without saying is some people just genuinely, they're, they're all right with just being, not necessarily calling you low class, but in terms of an income. They rate, just don't care. They just don't. And honestly, I can truly say in my soul, I am honestly one of those individuals. I don't care. And I know you are too. You don't care about your personal wealth as, you know, that's the most important thing in your life. But to you know to see somebody that is necessarily working in one of those lower class places where they're making minimum wage for the last 15 years at some point you do want to look in and you want to help them do something better but at the end of the day we have that to depends on that individual so exactly that's the beauty about America you know regardless of whatever it is that your beliefs are if you've been brainwashed into thinking that you can't get yourself out of a situation because of your race, your color, your religion, you've lied to yourself and those around you, they're systematically holding you down while trying to be your friend. And I think a big point about that too, touching on something we talked about before, is that goes directly into the media outlets. Is because all we see when we see the news is talking about how divided we are. And, right. that, and that really does bring back into why we started it, is to unite. But generally what has been happening with all of the news stations, which are clearly having an agenda, they're clearly pushing an agenda on us, they divide us. You're right. They divide the blacks from the whites. When in reality, I can tell you right now that I I understand racism is a real thing. Absolutely, hundred percent. It is very much out there, and it needs to be combated. And, yeah, I agree. By everybody, yeah. it needs to be combated by everybody. That that should not be allowed. And if it is, it's not going to be tolerated. Yeah. Um. You know what my stance is, and that's one of the rules that I put out on our Discord is 
Any racial talk, any anti-religious talk for anybody else's religion, ethnicity, you're done. Absolutely. Like, I have no tolerance for that bullshit because here's the thing. Being an American comes in many colors and many sizes and many beliefs, okay? As long as your foundational belief is America, then I don't care. And I don't want to hear anybody else saying anything otherwise because if you do, that's the one thing I'm going to cut you out on. If you're judging somebody based off of their color, their skin, or their ethnicity, um, we're going to have a problem. And I think in reality, the, the true reality sense of this is generally if you are racist, if you hate somebody because of a physical attribute of theirs <laughs> yeah. or you hate them because of a locational base, if you have any type of extremist mindset like that, then generally you are, you are a sheep just the same. Exactly, because you've bought into a mentality that divides us. Exactly. And that's the, whole, that's the whole point of media right now is to divide us, is they don't want us working together because no. they, the politicians are in their pocket and they realize that if we don't work together, then they can do whatever it is that they want. Yeah, that's and that's a big deal. That is a very big deal. And that's why this stuff like this is important. And I hope more people open up podcasts. I hope we're not the only one. I hope that we impact a lot of people through this podcast and we inspire others as competitors to go out there and build their podcast. Absolutely. I if, if anybody had, and I'd like to go ahead and say this real quick. So this whole this whole podcast setup was a little challenging for me because I'm not too advanced whenever it comes to technology. Luckily, my wife was pretty privy on it and. Barrow here, he's pretty privy on it as well. But if you want to set up a podcast, if you're inspired to do something like this, reach out to us. We'll send you all the material that we have and how to do it. We're here for you guys. We want to be able to create a better foundation for this country because it is shaking right now. And the only way we can do that is by coming together and having a discussion. Absolutely. I think another uh, a, a cool thing to talk about real quick is some of the things that we do offer UWB, um, you know, just to our members and yeah. people that obviously aren't even our members. I agree. Um, but one thing that is a major point we need to talk about is our Discord app. Yeah. Uh, that is something, uh, for anybody that doesn't know a Discord app, it's a really amazing messaging app. Uh, you go ahead and download it. We have everything on there. Uh, all of our members can actually, you know, discuss political, I, you know, and really, truly anything. Um, if you want to talk about religion, you want to talk about politics, you want to talk about the last football game that happened, truly anything anything goes on there. Um, so we would love to have you guys on there as well. Uh, you can catch us on Facebook, you can catch us on Instagram, uh, the website as well. The YouTube's going to be coming up, and obviously, you know, the podcast as you guys are listening. And we'll be on Spotify and uh, iTunes whenever this podcast is released. So uh, we'll have a lot of ways to reach you guys if you guys have limited channels of reaching us. Absolutely. Um, you know, get out here, get involved. Uh, we also have a Patreon. If you feel compelled to uh, end up donating, feel free. But just understand that it's not necessary. You know, we don't need it. We uh, we would appreciate the support. And uh, but yeah, you know. Anyways, what else you got? Yeah. Awesome. Um, so I, the one major thing, uh, you know, again, talking about conspiracy theories and stuff, obviously that's not what we're going to be going down. Yeah, yeah, not all uh, the time. But I think something that a lot of... Uh, there mean, are it, some with a lot of validity, though. Well, yeah, this is definitely one of them. It took over social media for a while. We okay. need to talk about Epstein's Island. Okay. That is a major thing. Do yeah, you have, I agree. Have you, have you done a little bit of research so on it? So I've done a little bit of research on it. I haven't done a lot because it's been a very busy year for me. Um, and since all this has been happening, it's been about a year now, you know, especially the last eight months has been super busy. Um, but I have been following it. Um, but not as much as I should probably. Uh, I do agree that, you know, I, I hear a lot of conspiracy theories, whether he was an agent and or somebody had something on him one time. Like, how did a guy from go from rags to riches to owning this private island? Well, we, we know exactly how. Is How's the, that? It's through the island, through through the sex trafficking. Yeah, but where I did think. he get the island from? I mean, well, well, that I mean, you, I mean, that, I think wasn't, wasn't the thing. island gifted to him by a prince? 
I, when it comes to that, I don't know. I okay. do know that he had the building painted in some kind of other country's flag. I, 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 I'm not going to say exactly what country it was right away. Um, but one thing that kind of does make me think uh, is not necessarily Epstein himself, whether you know the Clintons killed him, all these different kind of things. The thing I'm thinking about, the thing that I am trying to understand is uh, is the book of all the people that he had in there. Yeah, I thought that was real interesting. He um, had everything all the way down to the Blizzard CEO, which is the if you don't already if you're not familiar, it's the gaming company. Yeah. The CEO of that company was all the way down in the books, and what that shows me is obviously it's a low level company compared to tech companies and these massive. Well, you know, Blizzard is actually a really huge company. No, no, no. Of course, they are a huge company, but I'm talking about these mega Goliath companies, these okay, Apple gotcha. and stuff like that. You so you, what you're saying is, is that would this impact more, was deep. It's very deep because I would expect much more elite individuals. I would expect the very top of you know whatever ladder we're talking about here. Um, so I think that's a major thing to uh, you know to go ahead and think about. Um, I don't know. I think I think it needs to be kind of brought up again because it seems to have died out on social media and everywhere else. Nobody's asking any more questions. We found out the guy was dead, and you know nobody's ever seen an autopsy picture. Nobody's ever seen any of that. And then it also opens up, you know, during this whole coronavirus thing. There's apparently there's a lot of cases going on. I don't know if you know about uh, QAnon. Yeah, uh, Myers was telling us about. Yep, Myers was telling us about that. So by that, the way, what's up, Myers? Hope you're doing good, buddy. Yeah, shout out, Daddy. <laughs> uh, but it's you know it's a. Uh, it's a major thing to think about. I don't know. Um, and this is, again, this is all underlying of what we're trying to achieve here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we will be bringing this upfront news. Um, also, my father is a you know major follower of all the things that are truly happening, and yeah, he does absolutely. the same thing you do. Um, so actually being able to bring forth that you know that secret news that really people aren't actually being able to see. They're not paying If they're not digging to. farther than social media. Yeah, you know? because that's the majority of people. You know, If you don't captivate someone within the first 30 seconds, they're going to move on to the next thing. Exactly. And that's just human nature. So... Um, but yeah, no, so, you know, and that kind of leads me into the Clintons. I don't like to dig into conspiracy theories, but I, one thing I have firmly believed in, and I will say this, is the Clintons are bad people. Oh, 100%. I'm, I'm, I'm There's from, not a single thing I'm from Arkansas. I'm from Arkansas. Um, and my family, uh, well, now my uh, family that I married into, well, not that I married into, my stepfamily, um, they knew the Clintons. Um, I wouldn't even say fairly well, but there were some very strange things that took place with Bill Clinton, um, and he's a very, very weird person. Um, you know, there there was a story about him hitting on my uh, my step grandmother once. Um, in the, you know, he's obviously married to Hillary then, and trying to take her back. You know, the the Clintons, and you know, we're probably gonna end up getting assassinated by talking about this. Hey, um, but hey, just so you know, I'm not suicidal, folks. So if I end up with two bullets in the back of the head, it was not suicide. Don't leave the coroner. Yes. Um, <laughs> but you know, uh, the Clintons, man. You know, uh, him, Bill Clinton being on that private jet with him—that's really damning. That's a big deal. And, and, the thing and, and is, what's this funny is when he had was, his money. This yeah. is when he had his money. And what's so funny is, is he's like, you know, I didn't even know that man. I didn't even know him. You know, <laughs> no, he rode on a jet with him twenty five times. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's hilarious. Um, you know, I, I think that the Clintons have a lot to do with this. I feel like. Uh, well, what about? Let's take a step back. And, and bigger, bigger people, because there are bigger people than the Clintons. Well, let's get away from Bill. Let's talk about Hillary. What about Hillary? Deleting all, or not deleting, but destroying her servers. Oh, you're talking about a couple years back. I'm talking about a couple years back. This is this obviously is. Yeah, I remember whenever all that was kicking off. You know, here's the thing: is you know, being being in the military, you've come to realize that opsec is a very big deal because it, it can jeopardize people's lives, and it, it, it rightfully so. It should be a big deal. Um, but the thing is, is that if a military member were to do that. 
they'd be charged and they'd be sent to prison. Of course. And they'd be sent to prison for a very long time. And the thing is, is that Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton got away scotch-free just by pleading the fifth. Now it's her constitutional rights. But here's the thing. The issue with Americans is that we have to be told things to believe them. And that's the problem. Do your own research. Do your own research and you'll figure out that this chick knew everything that she was doing was wrong. And she did it willingly. Because she um, knew she wouldn't be in trouble. Exactly. You know, and, and that's the arrogance um, that we're trying to fight against, is that this arrogance of complete immunity. And that's a big deal. That's a problem. I think what scares me most looking in the government is I'm not necessarily saying that we need to obviously have a regular you know, switch with you know, people that are in there. But when you have people that have been in there for 20 plus years... You have people that have been inside the government. Nancy or, Pelosi, forty-four years in the government. You know or, that's insane. Ripping and, and understanding. Uh, you know we've already discussed this saying that yes, we are not necessarily Republican. We're not necessarily liberal. We're not necessarily Democrat. We accept all conversation here. But the fact that uh, in front of Trump are you know he, he is our president. Whether you agree with them or not, there has to be some form of respect to kind of keep yeah, unity within the American people. That's that's you know that's dumbfounded me for a while. But did you see the video of when she ripped up? I don't know if it was yeah, the ripped up his speech in front of him. That's on live television, so that that should bring you know. And, and it's and it sucks that we are mainly speaking on the left right now. But the left is and it, the left is the one that's doing a lot of wrong right now. They're not making a lot of sense with the things that they're doing. They're acting off of emotion, or they're trying to be so progressive that it doesn't make sense. I agree with a progressive mentality. I whole, I, I wholeheartedly I, do. But at some point, you have to be able to differentiate between rights and mental illnesses. And the, the left just, their agenda that they push is sometimes just lunacy. It, no, it is. It is. And then that also, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm definitely no expert to actually speak on this. But in terms of the left side, what is the side for people that aren't generally you know, in, the, in the know of this that want gun control? It's the left. Am I wrong? Yeah. It's the left side. So obviously, that, that's, a, that's a constitutional right. So that when, you know, for me, that takes me back a little bit and makes me look at their political party, you know, they want to, they want to cancel out of the constitutional right. That's a, that's a pretty big deal to me. You're right. And the big one is, is weapons, you know, and that's a really big deal to me. Um, you know, as I sit in this room, I have a Glock 19X on my left. I have a revolver on my left. I have my vector sitting across the corner and I have an AR pistol, a shotgun sitting over there and you have your AR right next to you, you know, and, um, here's the thing is that. And able to live in a free society, you have to be able to defend that society. And you don't defend that society all the time through words, and that's our objective is to defend it with words. But you also need to be armed. You know, I'm not going to say, you know, and what used to piss me off, and I saw a big change in this about six, six eight years ago, eight or six years ago, um, <clears throat> is people were just saying, oh, the weapons are for hunting. No, guys, the weapons are not for hunting. The weapons are used to fight tyranny. Our forefathers said that clearly. And... Um, you know, if you don't have weapons, then you can't defend yourself, you know, and we're, I am a, a moderate supporter of law enforcement. Uh, I disagree with a lot of things, but I also do support a good bit of things. Um, and if law enforcement can roll around with ARs, then I should be allowed to as well. Exactly, because you know, outstanding citizens are not going to be using it in the wrong way. Absolutely, and see, and that's the hard time getting, that's the hard part getting it across to the left is that. Not everybody who has a gun just wants to go on a shooting spree. People just want to be able to protect themselves. And I will protect myself at all costs. Um, you know, and, and that's just a really difficult argument to have with them. Um, and I, I think that a, a lot of it has to do with this. They are just trying to pry our constitutional rights uh, for a bigger political gain. Because if we can't defend ourselves, then 
What do they have to fear? And obviously a large part of that fear, though, is just generally not having any accurate knowledge. I'm sure you've seen plenty of videos of people talking about their, you know, thousand round clip, you know, 15 million per thousand second round clip. No, that's what I'm talking about. They, oh. They, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The politician who got up there was like, uh, this is a ghost gun. It, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I'm not calling it that. But in terms of them generally just not having information or knowledge, what people don't know, it, it scares them. You're right. Especially Absolutely. when it's something this large because you're talking about a force literally that cannot be reckoned with, a, an absolute magnitude of a military. Um, generally, I mean, if, especially if we were to go to get invaded, there, there's a reason nobody wants to invade us, obviously. You yeah, know, absolutely. You know, the, the military off. and everything. But the biggest thing is that the American people, even though they, they're not acting like it right now, we hold the power. We hold the key to this land. Exactly. And so we, nobody wants to mess with us because they know that if they do, they're not only going to be fighting the military, but they're going to be fighting against armed citizens who exactly. are going to uphold what's right. And that's a damn good feeling. That makes you proud. And Absolutely. that's exactly where UWB kind of comes into place. It's like having that unified, you know, just, I don't know, just having a force. You know, I agree. This, it, it's, it's a fantastic feeling and a really good idea. Um, what else you got? What, what else is going on? Uh, let's see. You know, you know, I just was going to come in here and do a little bit of talking and just kick it. I want to talk about Joe Biden, coronavirus. Talk about UWB, man. Honestly, there's no agenda. So whatever you want to talk about, let's talk about what do we got? What do we got? What do you think about this peanut butter whiskey? Peanut butter whiskey? Where's it at? I sent him over a bottle. You Where's it at? Ask Carol Ann. She has it on the counter. Oh, would you mind grabbing it for me, babe? <clears throat> well, meanwhile, while she gets that, man, uh, you've been uh, doing any shooting? No, I haven't been doing any shooting. Uh, honestly, it's been, I mean, obviously with the military, yes, I've been doing a lot of shooting, preparing for yeah. you know certain things. We're not going to discuss. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot going on uh, shooting wise, but I haven't actually got to take my air out in a while. I have, I have a, about 150 acres out in uh, Lowndes County, Southern Montgomery. Yeah, absolutely. County. Yeah, so going out there. I'm excited know, to get down there whenever this band lifts and you come come back and do your thing. I am too. Yeah, there's something very heavenly. I don't know about out there. You hear nothing but the birds. You hear. Oh, it's just a yeah. It's a fantastic place. That's what it. I kept thinking. Okay, now it makes sense. Peanut butter whiskey. I'm over here thinking that it's like. I could taste it, but I didn't read the bottle, and so I'm thinking, oh yeah, it tastes like nuts, you know, no, but it's delicious. Mm. Oh. For, for those of you guys, obviously, that cannot see, so basically everybody, uh, the bottles that we were drinking on, it is Old Smoky Peanut Butter Whiskey. You, you should go check it out. It is honestly delicious. It's dangerous. You guys don't even need a chaser. You guys need nothing to mix it with. Um, it is just absolutely amazing. They got a uh, peach habanero. They got peach. It is dangerous, guys. I shit you not. It tastes like a PB and J. It is killer. Um, yeah, man. Uh, I've had a lot of people that talk to me about you know the coronavirus and the uh, getting weapons. You know, I'm not a subject matter expert on weapons. Uh, one one guy that I do know who is, uh, we used to be stationed together whenever we lived whenever I lived in Texas. Um, Jeff George, you know, that dude is just so knowledgeable on weapons and he, he's, he made me want to learn more and luckily, you know, I paid close attention to him whenever I was a young airman and, uh, you know, he's a CADM guy. So, you know, his entire job is weapons. Of course. Um, and so he strove, I strove to, uh, uh, to be similar to him as far as the knowledge on weapons, but a lot of people have been reaching out and getting a hold of me. Hey, Bentley, you selling any weapons? You know, Drake, you selling any guns or anything? And my answer is always no, and the reason why it's no is not because I don't want you to be armed, but because I've invested, and weapons are investments. Um, and so people always ask me, well, what do you think I should do? Should I uh, go get a Daniel Defense? 
should I go get a, you know some sort of AR you know just what you know any sort of AR uh, Palmetto State Armory whatever it may be and a lot of them just aren't experienced shooters and so they see the Daniel Defense price tag oh yeah sorry but they see the Daniel Defense price tag and the Daniel Defense price tag you know for an AR is you know seventeen hundred to twenty two hundred bucks great great rifles I used to have one um, but it's a little too expensive. For common people, so I, I've been like suggesting to friends and, and family, hey, look, you know, I know you guys have all these questions, but the best thing that you can do is this: let's say you have fifteen hundred dollars, go out, buy a thousand, or you know, a seven eight hundred dollar rifle, put the rest into ammunition, go out and shoot. Because it doesn't matter how good of a weapon you have; it matters if you know how to use it. No, you no. could have the bet. You could have an ACOG. Uh, you could have you know side reticles. You could have everything that you that you could imagine on on your on your rifle. But if you don't know how to use it, then it's just a yeah, paperweight. Yeah, you know, and so I'll, I, what I tend to find is a lot of these people, they have 40, 50, 60 guns, and they have 1,000 rounds of ammunition. It's like, well, you obviously can't do anything. All I'd have to do, like, you know, hypothetically speaking, if I wanted to go and get to you and I knew law enforcement wasn't going to show up, I'd just sit out there and pop shots at you until you ran out of your 1,000 rounds, and I'd come in there and take whatever I wanted. Like, what are you going to do about it? You know, and so I, that's why I tell people... Go out, buy a decent, not a really good one, for your first AR, and go out and buy a thousand rounds of ammunition. Go out to the range and shoot. Uh, and that's that's what my uh, advice think, is to everybody. I think this is the exact talk that scares a lot of the people, you know, in our government. Talking about if I wanted to get to you, I'm going to get to you. And they, and anybody that does have an AR has ever shot an AR or any kind of rifle. You understand what we're saying. Uh, but for those of you that don't know, uh, you know, again, a gun doesn't shoot by itself. It takes uh, a person. It, it takes a person, to and it depends that on the mindset. You know, you have to be in the right mentality. You know, and I, this is where I do agree with a with a with a part of the left. Is I do believe background checks should be stricter. Oh, absolutely. You know, it, that, you know, and because here's the thing. The Constitution was written for common people, not those with mental health disorders who are suicidal or want to inflict pain upon others. It wasn't. It was a general delinquent. You're you're right. Absolutely, it was made for people who are able-bodied, logically thinking people. Okay, so those people who are ill, you know, unfortunately, you know, they're sick and they can't exercise those rights. Reasonably so, you know, you probably shouldn't have a gun, and that's why I agree with the left is that we do need a little stricter. Um, gun laws concerning background checks is because I don't want some I don't want to be sitting there one day and have a gun on my hip with a guy who's next to me who has a gun on his hip who's also mentally unstable yeah that's, that's uh, and killing my wife or taking a shot at me because you know I'm not gonna die you know <laughs> no, I'm just kidding <laughs> I'm just kidding no um, uh, or killing me you know that's just I don't want to be put in that situation um, you know, and that's just kind of where I agree with the left. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, there should be regulations on guns. Uh, and speaking, you know, kind of on regulations on guns, alcohol, tobacco, firearms, ATF. I think that whole entire agency is bullshit. And I think it should be done away with. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if anybody, any of our listeners are ATF. You're more than welcome to come on and speak. I'd love to have you on. We're probably just going to have different views as far as what your job is. Um, and... Uh, yeah. Oh, speaking of ATF, yes. Waco. Waco. The, the anniversary, April 19th. You know, it just happened a couple days ago, uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, and that's a big deal. Now, I will say this. I do disagree with the majority of the things that were happening in Waco. Um, you know, because a lot of people, you know, they 
if the right wing, they focus on the fact that, oh, he was raided because he had unregistered firearms or whatever. And then the left focuses on, which is a concerning part to me, is he was married or he was having children with underage kids. And that's a big deal. But what the takeaway from Waco is for me. Burning it down. No, yeah. I think, I think is, is, is overreaching of the government. You know, they, and this is where it, it should make people nervous. It should make people think. Spark a little bit of, you know, something in their ass to make them think about this. But I think people, people can, if, if our government <coughs> can do that to them in, uh, I believe, 93, if our government can do that to them in 93, then they can do it to us today. Absolutely. But I think uh, a major takeaway from this is the American people generally are not going to act until something is opposing them. Yeah, absolutely. First and foremost. And obviously, I think the, this is the first time in a lot of people's lives that they're experiencing actual, they're experiencing actual government control. They're experiencing the government telling them, hey, like I said, it's a 60 day free subscription communism. Exactly. And that's the thing that people are not realizing is like this, this is very much a possibility for the future if you are not staying woken up about what is going on. You're right. Being awoke does not necessarily mean that you're going to go out and take up arms right away. You're going to go shoot up the government building. Absolutely not. Do not do that. Stop what you're thinking and just be ready. You're right. You, you need to be on your toes when you are being ruled it's, by... It's eternal vigilance. You know, exactly. There's a difference between being a menace to society and harming people who don't need to be harmed versus being vigilant and prepared to do harm on people who want to do harm to you. And, um, and I, I hate to bring it up. I know no, it sounds okay, so cheesy, but this, this sheepdog mentality... Yeah, no, it's okay. I mean, I, we've, we've been raised on that mentality since we've been in the military. Exactly. And that... Well... I, I definitely agree with you there. I, and I believe that, that that mentality has kind of been trying to be instilled to us for sure. Yeah. Um, but I've noticed a lot of people that I have personally experienced with them through my military career. I've met a lot of different people, but I know a lot of people don't have that mindset. You know, yeah. they're within the military and stuff like that, but not everybody does have that. That really does take a special human being and it takes a special kind of American to actually want to... Because right now it seems like we're trying to defend something that is kind of corrupt. It does seem like that we are defending... Something. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Is uh, that's that's been. I don't pay attention to ethics, and it's really strange to hear. I don't pay attention to ethics, and the reason why I don't pay attention to ethics. What do you mean by that? Though? So yeah, let me, I'm going to get on it. So what ethics is is what a society deems to be appropriate, and my morality is stronger than the conditions of ethical behavior within our society. So what I'm saying is is that my beliefs are better and firmer than an ethical value. And so what, what I'm saying is I have a hard time sometimes morally with seeing the way that the government's operating, you know, standing up and always, you know, putting on the uniform. Although I'm very proud of what it is that I'm doing, sometimes it, it, it does have a really rough take on me because I see some of these things that are happening. I see some of the ways that the politicians are acting. They get in power and they take they take advantage of situations and it's really interesting the human dynamics because what you tend to see is a lot of people who do get into power they abuse it they don't know how to, to handle it appropriately and uh, you know and that's where it, it's been difficult for me morally uh, now I, I understand the greater good you know I love my country and I love I, I couldn't tell you how much I love the Air Force you know the the I will say this the Air Force is the most innovative branch. The Air Force is the branch of the future. Um, and now they do have things that they need to improve on. Um, but uh, overall, uh, and I'd also like to say none of, these, none of these beliefs or anything is anything that the Air Force represents. This isn't anything that, uh, that they support. This is just two individuals having a discussion who do belong to the Air Force uh, for a contracted time. Um, so yeah, 
that none of this ties into the Air Force. Um, but the Air Force is really interesting. Um, I really like how they take a different take of leadership. You know, uh, I'm not going to say his name out of respect because I'm not sure if he wants to be mentioned. Um, but we had a really good senior NCO in our squadron for a while, just phenomenal. And he gave me a good example one day because I was stationed with the Navy and Marines for a good bit. And I had kind of become accustomed to their mentality. And even though I was wearing a different uniform, we were kind of like doing the exact same thing. And I told him, you know, I was like, I feel like the Air Force, you know, we need to improve. Uh, we need to just tell people to do things and expect for them to do it, like our, our troops or whatever. And this is as I'm developing my leadership style, you know, because you never arrive at leadership. It's a continual process of learning and giving and taking and constructing and deconstructing and self-evaluation. And I, I told him, you know, you know, the Marine Corps, they told you to do something, you went and did it. The Navy, they told you to do something, you went and did it. But in the Air Force, it's like we have airmen who choose to have the option of what they want to do. And he broke it down to me like this. He said, you know, why would you charge a pillbox whenever you have a grenade? He said, think logically. He said, take, it, take a breather and understand that you can't force everybody into this mold clay. And a good, good, another good description that he used was, you know a cookie cutter? Of course. Okay, so let's say you take a cookie cutter and you take some clay. If you slam it on there and then you take the cookie cutter off, what you'll have is you'll have these rough edges where it didn't really cut it appropriately, but you got it to fit the form that you wanted it to do. You got it to fit the form, and that's what the Marine Corps and the Navy tends to do, is that it just fits the, um, in the army, um, it just fits the mold without really mentoring. So it has rough edges and it's jagged and it looks ugly, but it does the job. And then that, that job is served, that purpose is served, and then it moves on, right? Well, the real interesting take on the Air Force is that the Air Force, although people can consider it weak sometimes, is innovative through its mentality because what it does is, is it breaks down exactly what it is that you're doing. It caters to the generational why of asking, of asking why it is I'm doing this. There's nothing wrong with somebody asking you why. There's nothing wrong with somebody inquiring on you. It doesn't mean that they're questioning you or your authority. It means that they're questioning what it is that's happening because they either don't understand or they do understand, and they, but they just want to seek more knowledge on it. So he, he had a way of breaking it down of you take that, that cookie cutter and you gently press it down and you push it in. And you get it all the way down to the bottom and you push it nice and firm and you slowly lift it up. And what you tend to find is you find the perfect clay output or clay uh, um, cookie cutter. Um, and you get exactly the product that you want. And so, yeah, it's really interesting. And I know we kind of bounced around on subjects just then, but, uh, you know, I really think that the Air Force, we catch a lot of flack because we are the youngest branch. But we're very innovative, and uh, I think that that's one big thing that we have on our side is we have such intelligent people, and we have good leadership. You know, um, I'm not gonna. I, I kind of want to get off the Air Force subject in a minute, but I will say this: is I've had nothing but incredible Air Force leadership, um, and you know, there have been times where there's been people where I disagreed with them, um, but overall the type of leaders that the Air Force are pushing out are not only going to be successful in the military, but they're going to be successful on the outside because they've molded them to be true leaders instead of leaders in a certain position. And you tend to find those leaders dwindle out because people don't want to listen to them anymore. And I think that uh, the Air Force does a phenomenal job of that.
Yeah, I love that. I, I definitely agree with that. I think it comes from a little bit more of the Air Force being predominantly run more like a corporation. It's, per, it's progressive. A, it's, it is. It's progressive. And they actually listen to what people are saying. And I definitely think that they're... I can listen to Jesus? Oh, like, man. That man listens to everybody. Absolutely. I love it. But the thing is, if we had more leaders like that, I think we would be progressive more in the correct correct way. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of pros and cons going along with everything that has been going on and actually listening to everybody's, you know, what they're upset with. Yeah. So look at basic training, for instance. I'm sorry, but as, you know, obviously as time has been going on, you're able to get yelled at a lot less. Um, there's been talk about the little red card that you can pull out. Yeah, uh, and I, I know they don't have the red card. I know that that's, a, that that's just been bullshit. That people but I've heard from out. people that said that they have had really. That, that, this is where that's that's confusing because I've heard both stories. Okay. That I've but I've heard them both equally. But I, even if that's not necessarily correct, hearing about how basic training is nowadays, yes, you get yelled at, but it, it is nothing like it was before. And I think that is also going to have a lasting impact on the Air Force. That's going to be putting in people that are not necessarily, you know, maybe maybe not to say discipline is the right word, but they're definitely going to be lacking that sense of this is the military. Yeah, see, it's and not just the job. I think that the disconnect is tech school. Now, I do agree with you with BMT. Okay. Uh, BMT, uh, I think, has gotten lax. I think the physical standard has dropped. Um, I think that the mental standard has dropped because we need people. But what I will say is, is I think that they do a good job, but where the disconnect is, is tech school. So the way the Army works is that your instructor follows you from basic to your tech school or your AIT. Um, and they're on your ass. Okay. You have a, a individual that follows you. So they're on your ass the whole time. And this is a dude that turned you into a civilian, into a soldier. What happens with the air force is, is our instructors go on to teaching another flight and we go on to having free reigns of whatever it is that we want, and we get absolute freedom. And there's no progression of freedom because we don't know what to do with it. So everybody freaks out, and they stop saying "sir," they stop saying uh, "ma'am." You know, they just act crazy. And the quality of airmen that I've seen come in, um, it it's just it kind of it kind of bums me out because I want them to be successful, and I want them to understand and have that sense of of you know family. You know, what I, I feel like what that's I have been seeing is that it is growing, um, especially obviously as you know you rank up a little bit and you've been in you know a few more years, you start to see a little bit more how that Air Force is actually operating. Um, I would say with the new airmen, what I would see is they they come in and they get to the base and it's a little bit unmotivated, right? It's not necessarily your first base, your worst base. Your first base is your worst base always, like at least with your job knowledge and stuff like that, right? Yeah. But what I will say is through actually being molded by some of the guys that are a little bit, you know, more weathered and stuff and been in a few more years and especially great leadership, I think that's what's actually turning them into, you know, great airmen. When yeah, absolutely. Be, it should be instilled a little bit more into tech school, though. Yeah, that's I agree. What, that's when it should be pounded in is actually, you know, you know, this is what's going to make you great, not necessarily just learning your job or kicking you back out to your base and, you know. Yeah, and, and you got to understand we're also, majority of the time, we're working with 18-year-olds. No, of course. Yeah. You know, uh, we're, we're dealing with something where, and this is where the education system... But at the same the, time, 18 the is the most easy, easily swayed. They're the most easily motivated. Yeah, but, but give me a second. Is that Here's the problem, is that um, this goes into public schools, uh, a public school discussion, is the education system fails us. 
and may, there maybe there's not a better way to do it, but most likely most likely there is. And what what happens is is one week they go from uh, raising their hand to ask to go to the bathroom to in three months holding a weapon. So there's a huge gap in between there. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Of like, holy shit, I gotta grow up and I've gotta grow up right now. And I also have to learn my job. I have this QCs that I need to do. I have everything that I need to do. I have, well, you know, luckily they got rid of CDCs for us, but, um, you know, they have these million and one different things. Of course they're gonna eventually become unmotivated. You know, um, there's no progression process. It's just boom, boom. You know, and that's how it's always been. But maybe, just maybe, there's a better way to do it. Maybe there's a better way to get in their head. And maybe there's a better way to motivate them. Yeah. Um, and I do, I am a firm believer that BMT, they bond through pain. And I think that it needs to be a little more painful. Um, a, a, a lot less PC. Um, you know, because... That, that's the stuff politically that correct. should not be seeped into the military life. You're right, but unfortunately it is because um, majority of people who hold stars are focused on their next career path, whether it's their, either their next rank and that's just being a yes man or a no man um, or a yes sir or a no sir, whatever it is, um, and then becoming a politician or just sitting back collecting a check, you know, they're, they're just yes people for the most part. And it's actually kind of astounding, you know, I'm, and they're, <laughs> I want to be clear, I'm not saying they're idiots because they're not, um, but I've dealt with a good bit of them, you know, and some of them just don't have it together and it's, it's kind of surprising, but you know, what, what can you do? Yeah, what can you do? Oh, that's the, that's the military life. Yeah, you're right. You know, um, it is what it is. Either way, you know, I'm thankful for the Air Force. I'm thankful for the military. Uh, it's a good opportunity, and I think a lot of people should actually consider that route. You know, because you, you gain a lot of maturity and understanding. Because I went from a 17-year-old kid not knowing shit to an adult heading out the door six months after I'd come back from tech school, you know? Yeah, same here, but I, I needed that. Right before the military, you know, it was uh, definitely that rock bottomy style path. Uh, that's definitely where it was at. But the military for me was such a great stepping stone. Well, see, that's how it was for me a little bit. As I got kicked, well, majority of these people, some of these people are going to be people who I've known since I was younger, who are listening. And uh, you know, I was always a, a nice kid. I was always a good kid, but I always hung around the wrong crowd. But I never really let them influence me. Um, I just kind of did my own thing. Cause, so the people that I grew up with from elementary were essentially my friends all the way up to high school. And then I got kicked out of the house at 16. And then I went to go live with my mom uh, at 17. And I realized, and she gave me a little more freedom, you know, no disrespect to my dad because he did the best I could, he could. Trust me, I was a pain in the ass of a kid. Um, very much so of a pain in the ass. He did the best that he could, um, but he... Uh, sent me to live with my mom and my mom gave me a little bit more freedom and I decided to you know do something different and so I just went joined the military and uh, you're right it does kind of change you and you it, you are thankful that it's sort of abrupt sometimes but I feel like we live in a different time where kids just don't know how to deal with that yeah I definitely agree 
I definitely agree. Oh man. I mean, we so when do you think marijuana is going to be legalized? Oh god, I hope soon. I'm just yeah, kidding. Uh, you know, I, I definitely don't partake in any of that kind of stuff. But um, I see a lot of good things coming out of that. I think there's going to be a lot more retainability in the military. You know, once that becomes legal. Well, no, I'm talking about uh, just amongst the states. Oh, amongst the states. I mean, it, it, it should be legal in every state, everywhere, every crevice of the world. In my opinion. I agree. I wished it would be, you know, uh, I'm not saying I would smoke weed, but what I'm saying is that I do believe that it would bring in a massive amount of revenue. And, you know, I'll I'll be honest with you, I don't believe marijuana is a gateway drug. Um, I believe that the shady dealings cause it to be a gateway drug. I've told told my wife this before, and I may have told you this, but I don't think marijuana is a gateway drug. And the reason why is because I think the dealers, because you, you deal it and you handle drugs in this weird, shady light where you don't want to be seen and everything's no, exactly. a secret. You know, you speak in code sense. through text messages. You don't want to get caught, so you're being weird about everything. So what happened? Dealers don't make a lot of money on weed. They just don't, unless they're selling massive amounts of it, right? So what happens is they end up selling the poor kid who just wants to buy some reefer off of a dude. They sell the, hey, dude, I got this new stuff, you know booger sugar give some of this a shot oh yeah well you know I've heard bad things about cocaine no dude trust me and then they get to cocaine and then they're trying to figure out that addiction or they get into heroin you know or they start popping pills and then the pills are running out so now they go heroin you know I don't think that marijuana itself is a gateway drug I think that the government has backed it up into a corner to force it to be Oh, a drug that is. If you, if you could that's hidden in, in crevices no, of course, where other could, things happen. If you could stop and open the door, have a nice little jingle in there, and you can just pick your favorite little string, get a couple grams of that uh, little Maui Aoi or that, you know, whatever it is. diesel kush, whatever it is that you want to get. Cush. If you are doing that instead of texting, you know, Jim Bob, who you don't even know his real name, or it's just, you know, I don't know. You shouldn't have to go and buy it in a, you know. Yeah, you shouldn't have to show up to some weird dude's apartment. No, absolutely not. Where they want to be your friend. I don't know if you ever watched Pineapple Express, but it's a lot like that. You know what I mean? No, it, it, <laughs> that, it's... That, a, honestly, that's my favorite movie. Dude, that my... Caroline will tell you. I laugh until I cry every single time they're in the woods. Oh, when he throws his phone <laughs> Yeah. Oh, Which yeah. tree were you aiming at? That one. That one. Which one? That one. And then he's like, oh shit. And he takes off running through the woods. <laughs> that is the funniest. And then whenever uh, Seth Rogen, he's sitting there in his in his, uh, in his car. And then, uh, what's his name? What's the other guy? I, I love him. I can't remember. James Franco? Yeah, Franco. Yeah. Yeah, Franco hits the window. <laughs> Joe Rogan turns. and he, Or Joe Rogan. <laughs> Seth Rogen turns and he goes, ah! <laughs> Dude, it's so funny. That is one of the best comedy scenes I've ever seen in my life. Truly, for me, I think uh, Pineapple Express is number two. For me, number one is always going to be Super Troopers. So, you know, uh, I, I've seen Super Troopers, but I oh, come on. it just wasn't my thing. What? Yeah, man. It just, man. it just wasn't my thing. You know, um, Pineapple Express would probably be number one uh, as far as comedies, followed by either Step Brothers or... Um, Super bad, just because like that's such like, a it's such Tarantino. it's such a prolific. Oh, dude, Quentin Tarantino. Not only, he's an asshole, he's a fucking dickhead, but he films though. Yeah, he, he creates incredible films. Amazing. At, at the end of it, you're always your heart's hurting, everybody's dead, bleeding out, dude, your guts hanging out. Touch. Django, Django is one of my oh. favorites. And have you seen uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? No, I have. I'm okay, so. I heard mixed things about it. I heard it was good. I heard it was bad. I heard it was one of his worst movies. I decided to watch it. Fucking loved it. 
is great. It's phenomenal. Well, I mean, uh, actor-wise, I definitely love that team. That's, yeah, it, and the only thing I didn't like is the because I paid attention to Bruce Lee uh, kind of closely since I was younger. They portrayed him to be an arrogant asshole, which he really wasn't. He wasn't that way. Yeah. They kind of portrayed him to be a dickhead, and I didn't like that. Um, hey, that's some of that. Ho- yeah, that's that Hollywood yeah. spin that they decided to do. As a matter of fact, I remember hearing a while ago that his daughter had an issue with the way they portrayed his character, which is fine. But you know, whatever it's Hollywood, I don't expect for him to be truthful. No. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, man. And, but the reason why those three movies, Step Brothers, uh, Pineapple Express, and Superbad, are just so hilarious to me is because it's like that's at the peak of being a teenager of just because in like that came out in like 2007, 2008, you know, era that a little before that. Um, and that's such an important time of your life. And those shows, for whatever reason, it's like Call of Duty 4, Modern Warfare, whenever it first came out in like 2007. You know, like, to me, that's the, that's the best one. See, Modern Warfare 2 is Well, see, one. you're two years younger than me. Yes, so, exactly. So, it's that, you see what I'm saying? So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so then Black Ops came out, and then Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 came out. So, like, those are just important years where, like, the things that you see or you experience are really, really important to you. You know what's crazy, too, is video games is actually what started me on my business path. Really? In a, in a crazy Wait, uh, way. Dumbbell? Uh, no, no, no. I mean, well, obviously, Dumbbell Dynasty, shout out to anybody that ever hears this uh, first podcast. If you were a Dumbbell Dynasty athlete, whoop, whoop, thank you for all the support. Um, you know, RIP to that lovely lady. But... Uh, back when we used to play video games, me and my boy Gabriel, he lives over in Brooklyn. Uh, we started a clan. I believe our first one was called X-Pure X. Um, I was X-Pure X Horizon. But what we would do is we would start recruiting people into our clans, okay, our gamer clans. And I would create a free website using Weebly or whatever it is. So I would have a full website listing all of our members and stuff like that. So um, I remember creating a ton of websites just for free. Literally just this little kid whipping up little cool websites, stealing images off of Google and stuff like that. And, I don't know. It kind of it sparked that you know that fire up under my belly, like wow, I could actually do this, and you could make a lot of money doing this. You know what yeah. I mean? Obviously, it's that's not important, but it's just it's yeah. cool that you could make no. A you know, off of mo- money is is a slightly important aspect because if you don't see growth, then you can't expand. You no, know? of course, and with money too, there there comes traveling, actually being able to help others yeah, and stuff absolutely. like that. It's not about you know driving the Lambo and stuff like that, but you could really have a actual impact on this. You know. People's lives all yeah, around right. the world too, and especially animals too. That's a big thing that I, that I hold, you know, true to my heart. Yeah, I got three pups. I love them. They're great. But uh, yeah, dude, you played the new Call of Duty? Um, yes, all the time. So uh, I can't say all the time. That makes me sound uh, no. I don't play all the time, but I uh, I've been playing Warzone a little bit. Okay, yeah, that one's free. Yeah, it's free. Um, it's pretty. I, see, I didn't care for Warzone, man. See, it's I love Battle Royale. Yeah. I started. I, I did. Well, I guess I started on uh, PUBG, and then I went to Fortnite, and then. I see, I never played Fortnite. My brother-in-law played Fortnite, and I tried getting into it for him so we could play together. Um, but I just couldn't do it. It was just like I don't know. It was too. Childish. What sucks being a 21 year old, you know, or even 23 playing and you're in a party with like a, a legitimate nine year old talking crap to you. Absolutely. I bet you whooped that ass too. No, I mean, and he whoops your ass too. Every, I mean, generally you have him as a partner and they're in your party, but it just, it definitely makes you look in the mirror and say like, what am I doing with my life? Yeah, absolutely. I'm playing games with a nine year old kid. Who, and your weapon is a candy cane? Man, my weapon is a candy cane. I'm dressed as a gingerbread man. Actually, I had the Santa Claus uh, costume, so I was a jack tattooed Santa Claus. Were you? Yeah. 
it's actually, you know, it was pretty cool. No, I might go play Fortnite when I get home, but that's funny. What have you been doing with working out? Uh, absolutely nothing. Yeah, see, I think it's really important for people to get involved with all this COVID well, stuff. Well, I can't, I can't getting, say I've been people doing nothing. Fat. I'm preparing to do something. So um, I actually got a workout uh, through Joey Swole. If anybody does oh, yeah, not yeah. know who that is, you should go look him up on Instagram. Over He's a good 2 million dude. followers, an extremely good guy. So tell him the story real quick. Tell him about how you reached out to him, not expecting a response. Yeah, so I actually, on his Snapchat, um, he was po- he always posts on his stories and stuff, different like meals and stuff that he's doing uh, over at Dan Blitzerian. I think that's how you say his last yeah, name. Blizzarian. His house, Blizzarian. Um, he hangs out with him a lot, and he's really big into rice ups and all this different kind of stuff. So I finally reached out to him just saying, hey, like, you know, you do, I, I know you do the meal plans, and he has a four-week plan that you can buy. He has a buy one, get one right now. Uh, so, yeah, I reached out on Snapchat instead of just buying it, and I ended up getting a, uh, he was basically video chatting with me, uh, talking to me, and I was like, like this is definitely, you know. Unique. It, it was unique, unexpected, because you know he has thousands of people going through him. And you don't, ha- you don't expect somebody with millions of people that are following him, probably sending him thousands of messages a day to, to reach out to you. I mean, we talked for a solid you know, five fifteen minutes. Yeah. Just sitting and, and you weren't even sure. Tell him how you were like. Is this actually you and what he did? Oh yeah, I mean, I absolutely had to ask. I said, "Is this actually him, or is this somebody on your team?" Uh, something along those lines. And he goes, "No, brother, this is me." And then he Facetime me or uh, Snapchat video chatted me like on the spot. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So I mean, he was. He's pretty See, cool. I like people like that where, like, even though they're busy, they understand that their fan base is. What causes them to be in the position that they are in life? No, of course, yes. Yeah, that's a big focus deal. on not necessarily the customer, but just you know general fan base. I think yeah, absolutely. Really awesome. It's a big deal. You know, just because people aren't spending money doesn't mean that they're not equal. Yeah. Um, but dude, honestly, I've been so fortunate to be. So I told you like eight months ago, I invested in my own setup with my gym, and so like I have everything that I need out in the garage. I got a squat rack. I got benches. I got weights. I got free weights. I got dumbbells. I got bars. Everything that I need, and I've seen a huge progression. So everybody's like sitting back, getting fat. Ooh, yeah, sitting back, getting fat. Like I'm hitting new PRs, all sorts of stuff. So I'm really proud of you. That's fantastic. Hey, you know what can I say? Yeah, Big I'm fat. hitting my PRs are basically the dollar amount that I see on DoorDash. I'm just I keep going up and up. <laughs> yeah, we're getting there. I dig it. I dig it. You order anything new from Amazon? Uh, no. Oh, by the way, let's talk about Bezos and that asshole where he was trying to set up a GoFundMe and it was like billions of dollars. Yeah. See, I hate elitists like that where they, they make billions of fucking dollars and then they ask the common people who aren't making any money to support them. It's like, okay, dip into your pocket. You gave your ex-wife $39 billion and they're in your the divorce. With, You're fine. You have to actually look down, like really looking down at how much money that actually is. You could do so much You're right. good for the world. And the fact that you have people, and this is this is where it gets political. I don't know if there necessarily needs to be a, a capped off number for how much people can make. I don't know. I, I don't really think that that should be a thing. Because you know what? If you're a successful businessman and you make something of yourself or a businesswoman, you should be able to make however much you know your company's making. But there there comes a point in time when those people need to be asked for help. They need to be told like, hey, look, there is this issue going on. There's world hunger. There is a disease going around. Or like right now, we have coronavirus. And uh, uh, what was it? Bill Gates actually just stepped back. And now he's working completely on uh, getting everybody vaccinated and all that. Um, there's, I don't know. There's a lot of things that people could be doing, and they're just absolutely not. Yeah. 
you know, um, but then again, that's where you have to find the fine line between, well, that's their money and that's their constitutional rights to choose to spend it how they want. But also there's a morality aspect of it of if you do have the money, then why not? You know, because there's a certain amount of money where it doesn't matter how much you have. It's not going to make an impact if, if you give an amount. You know what I mean? Do you believe that there's too, I guess it, it was. A do I believe there's too much money? No, okay. no, no, no. Well, I, I definitely think that that is a thing. I, think I don't. I don't. I don't agree with that at all. See, I believe that it, uh, the pursuit of an individual happiness, I can't say. So maybe your may, maybe yours is five thousand dollars, but maybe some other dude's is fifty billion. You know, and oh, I and I can't say that there's ever a, a person can ever have too much, um, because that might be their individual pursuit of happiness. Yeah. So for me, I'm not necessarily saying there needs to be a lessened amount of money in the world, but what I will say is there are certain aspects, I think basic human needs. I think basic human needs, as in uh, you know medical, I think that, that should be a lot cheaper. I understand that doctors and stuff like that do need to make a lot of money, but when you actually look at how much money hospitals are pulling in for the actual owners, for the corporation behind the actual hospital and stuff. Are you talking about, um, so correct me if I'm wrong, but you're saying that you think that like, so the doctors are making the appropriate money, but the people above them who own the hospital are racking in a lot more money than what they should be. Exactly. So, I, so I agree, and I, I think that it has to do with the insurance company. So the, a common story that I tell is a, a guy that I heard speak one time. He's talking about, because he was a doctor, and he opted out of ever having any insurance. Well, he was a specific type of a doctor, so he, his son ended up getting, ended up getting injured, and broke his finger, but he couldn't fix it because he wasn't that type of a doctor. And <clears throat> so he took his son to the doctor, and some guy that he didn't know, but he just heard good things about. Um, he fixes the finger, you know, he does an x-ray, numbs it, you know, fixes the finger, sends him on his way. He's like, hey, you know, a bill will be in the mail in a couple of weeks. Um, and sure enough, it shows up and the bill's like $3,000. Yep. Okay. Uh, I actually, I think it was a little, I think it was more to the tune of $5,000. Um, and he ends up calling this doctor and he's like, Hey, you know, I don't have insurance. You know, I'm a doctor as well, but I also don't have insurance because I pay for things out of my pocket. I don't care to pay for an insurance because I think that they hike things up. And he was like, Oh yeah, without a doubt, you know, oh, I didn't realize you didn't have insurance, man. Well, uh, write me a check for 500 and you're good to go. And that just goes to show that these doctors, you know, unfortunately, you know, you respect them because that's a really challenging job. But a lot of these guys are just taking advantage of the system to get bigger checks. I mean, that, that also it, ties into the, the Look at TRICARE. Look at TRICARE. Love TRICARE. TRICARE is great. But <laughs> these guys pay ridiculous amounts of money. For simple things. Absolutely. You go, like, uh, Carol Ann stayed at a hospital whenever she, like I covered earlier in the podcast, she died in last May and was up at, like, a medical center for, what, three, four days? It was two ER visits and three days inpatient. Yeah, so, um, guess how much that was? Uh, Take a guess. 5000 We wish. How much? Twenty three thousand dollars. Twenty three thousand. For me to lay the bed. And the the nurses, they were great nurses. Nothing nothing against them, but I was the one bathing her. I was the one changing her. Okay, she was in the stroke and seizure ward. 
Um, I know that they're busy and they have a lot of other things going on. And so that's why I opted in to help and all of that, but she's what, my 23, wife. $23,000. So that's when you need to take a step back and actually and, say, where is this dollar amount actually going to? Are we are we paying the doctors what they need to be paid? And then we're kicking back 75% of that bill to the owners? Exactly. You know, it, And that's, that's the hard part with capitalism, is I love capitalism. I think capitalism is phenomenal. But the natural disease of capitalism is greed. People become greedy and they want more and they want more and they want more and then it ends up collapsing and hurting the common people and they don't think about that or if they do think about it, they just don't care. I think that that's important. $23,000, four days. You know, insane. I mean, you look at just an ambulance ride. You're paying right. more than $1,000 just for an ambulance ride. You're there right. Are, looking, let, let's talk, okay, so you have a lower income family. Yeah. Say something, and literally anything happens, even just a plain out concussion. Your son has a concussion, you have to take him to the hospital. You can get stuck with, you know, a $10,000 bill by the time you're done, and you have no way of paying that off. You're right. And for the rest of your life, you are paying a, a bill, and on top of that, it's picking up interest. You know what I mean? So that is, I don't know, that's, that's definitely when it kind of, it brings up a morality kind of issue with just basic human rights as, you know, what the government's really can, doing for you. Yeah. Like, if people can't afford it, what are they supposed to do? Now, I understand there's government resources out there, but a lot of people make more than that threshold to apply for government resources, and then they're stuck with this bill. Mm -hmm. They can't afford the insurance, but they make too much money to apply for government insurance. And now, what happens if there's some kid who, or, who or his family now has a $23,000 bill? How, that's, that interferes with his pursuit of happiness, with their pursuit of happiness. Now they have to apply for bankruptcy. Now that's on their credit for 10 years. Now they can't buy anything. They can't go get a car. They have to pay for everything in cash. Now they have to go get a, a $1,500 clunker piece of shit. You know, and I was really heated. So they sent us a bill accidentally. TRICARE was just made a mistake. Same here. I, I've been sent. Yeah, they, dude. Uh, TRICARE, like, it's actually not even TRICARE. It's the hospital. The hospitals bill inappropriately where they either forget to put something in your name That's or something like that. Yeah. And or they forget to put active duty. Too. Yeah. And they're just they're fucked up. Like and so we got a bill for twenty three thousand dollars. Immediately I'm livid. Now I'm not livid for the fact because I knew we weren't gonna have to pay at first I was pissed off that we even got it. But twenty three thousand dollars, the fact that anybody should have to pay that for a four day visit. Dude, you should have moved us to a penthouse suite, had our own personal nurse where we hit a button, and they pop up out of the floor with four dinner plates and somebody massaging her feet at all times. You know, I mean, 23000 Get fucking real. Yeah. This is, I, I don't know, because then you have to think about, like, how can you actually change that? But isn't that a lot of that government? You know, I, I really, like I said, you know, uh, we're not going to be the type of people who have all the answers on everything. You don't have that answer. I don't have that answer. I'll do a little research and figure it out, but I, I don't know how to fix that. Uh, I would say that that's probably a private side. Um, government probably needs to raise their threshold of people who can apply for government governmental assistance, so like insurance and stuff like that. But also insurance companies and their CEOs need to stop being dependent on their $10 million bonus checks that they get every year and actually understand that they're hurting a lot of people yeah. and they're just greedy. So yeah. I, I think, I think America in, in a whole right now, I think that's what we're dealing with. A lot of is just a lot of greed. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of greed, and like I said, you know, greed. capitalism is great, but you know, whenever people become greedy with capitalism, 
to say that there to say that there is a perfect government form out there, like to say capitalism, all these different things. There's not. There is not a perfect one. No matter what, you're always going to hit your hiccups. And one of the biggest ones with capitalism is obviously you have these mega Goliath sharks that come out of the woodworks, and you start a simple website out of a garage, and it ends up being you know literally a, a global commodity. It, it becomes such an essential piece to their life. You know, it's yeah. just it, it's wild the power that you can gain. You know, from business. And yeah. Then, you know. Yeah, and you know, uh, greed. Greed runs a lot of things. You know, I, I'd love to be rich. I'd love to have money, but it's not that important. Yeah, and if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. Exactly. Will it happen? Most likely because I'm going to keep pushing until I become comfortable in my life. Um, well, even after I become comfortable because I'm pretty comfortable right now. So I'm going to keep on pushing now. But, um, yeah, you know, people, people are just greedy, dude. People are wild. But, um, yeah, 23000 bucks. $23,000. Yeah. What else you got? What's up with the pineapple? Ah, uh, the pineapple. That's a matching tattoo I got with uh, with Gates in Hawaii. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Shagadelic. Yeah, it is pretty shagadelic. Do you have any tattoos? You don't have any no, tattoos. No, I don't. Do I don't have any tattoos. Are you ever going to get any tattoos? You know, I actually, Caroline will tell you this, I actually have an entire, like, book of... Why don't you get one? You know, um, one, monetary, uh, they're, they're expensive. And although we have the money for it, I'm not willing to waste a couple thousand dollars on it. Um, well, a couple thousand dollars you're talking about. Yeah, no, no. My stuff is intricate, like extraordinarily intricate that I want, like to the dimensions, to uh, how many, like let's say it's a, a wall, how many bricks I want it to have. To well, yeah, cr- with all that, that's just the artist being able to do that. It all depends on Yeah, I know, but I'm talking, I'm talking, I mean, it's going to be big. I mean, my first one's going to cover my whole back if I choose to get one. But, um, you know, right now, I'm content. I'm sexy as fuck. I think you should get a small one. No, you know, that's a little, you know, no offense to any of the ladies that are listening. That's like a girl tattoo thing, and I'm not about that. I'd rather get a whole sleeve. Like, Carol Ann has, or what arm is it? Your left arm? Her left arm is her. So you think a small tattoo is a girl tattoo? You know, I just, I don't care for like little tattoos if I'm going to do it if I'm, if I'm going to do it I'm going to do it like your arm and I'm yeah, going to try my best to knock it out in one session is I, what I'm saying ooh, you're not going to get your whole back done in one session that's yeah, gonna be, well, yeah I know that's going to be several days weeks well, I'm going to have to let it heal I mean, and this, come back this entire thing right here this was about six about six sessions six really sessions. yeah so it, I mean it takes a while you can do a lot but at some point your skin's just going to stop taking ink yeah so it, you know. wait what yeah 100%. that's a thing hundred percent, yes. When I was getting my tattoo up here, when he got up on the compass at the very end of it, every time we would go in, literally, it would just bleed out, and there was no ink whatsoever. So oh, gotcha. Okay, okay. It bleeds out. Okay, I thought you were saying, like, I don't know all this. I don't know if it's necessarily the blood is pushing ink out, but it, it literally, my skin was not... That, that's a classic okay. term you're going to hear in the tattoo. Okay, movie. yeah, no. See, I, I didn't know any of that. I haven't done much research into it. I just have, an, like, an idea book of what I want. Um... I like to get my whole back done first, you know, obviously in sessions, like I said a minute ago, but whatever. I think that'd be pretty sweet. That'd be dope. Look pretty, uh, look pretty operator. Well, no, that's not my goal. Mm-hmm. You don't want to wear a cut off and, you know. No, I'm a big old pussy. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, man. Um, Something that I do... Uh, hey, also, I'd like to thank you for dropping this whiskey off the other day. No, of course. Yeah, peanut butter. Yeah. Peanut butter all smoky. That's yeah, dude, I appreciate it. 
I wish you could have been here for today's fucking podcast, but under the circumstances. Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, thanks for bringing it to work. But uh, yeah, dude, it tastes really good. We'll have to end up hooking back up with some of this. No, absolutely. Yeah, whenever uh, whenever we push the next one, I'll get a different flavor of the same one. And, yeah. Cool. What else do they have? Uh, oh, they have they have peach habanero. They have peach. They have peach habanero. Oh, absolutely! It's amazing. Oh, it's, it's a spicy. Fuck that. The aftertaste is literally spice. It's delicious. Yeah, no, that's not my thing. See, I don't want to be shitting out a jalapeno you pepper. See, you know, you don't shit it out. You throw it up. That's it. It's yeah. It's see, that's not my goal. Yeah. That's not my goal. Well, it's nobody's goal, but it. You know, well, it apparently it's yours. You're like, oh yeah, you throw it up. Hey, well, would you rather be tasting straight Jack Daniels or would you rather be tasting yes. some peach habanero? Yes, I would. Trust me. Uh, well, you know. <laughs> yeah, my last Jack Daniels experience was fun. <laughs> what is the uh, what's the one alcohol that you have the worst memory of? Honestly, none. Um, fireball? You never had? No, never, like 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 pe- people. No, I don't like. Um, there have been times where I've gotten mad while drinking, but it's not been the alcohol. It's been the circumstances around me, um, and I'm in it. Um, but no alcohol per se. Like I don't have any bad stories. I'm generally a pretty happy drunk. Um, there are some times where I do get moody, but again, it's the it's the situation. Like if people are fucking being assholes. So this one time I went out with this uh, with this buddy. You know him. Um, went out with this buddy of ours, and we were walking through this uh, this like little club area. And you know I'm saying excuse me. I'm politely touching people on their back, like hey, excuse me, and let us squeeze by. You know, hey, you mind if I come by? And uh, this one guy, he was just trying to be cool. And now looking back on it, I don't regret it because he was being a fucking bully. Um, but he pushes this buddy of ours and calls him short, and that pisses me off. Like, don't be a fucking bully. Don't be a fucking asshole. And I'm the type of person where. Even if I get my ass stomped, I'm going to let you know how I feel and we can throw down or not. I mean, that's why they're kind of the way they are, right? So, I, what exactly happened? Because I was a little intoxicated. But anyways, I ended up, uh, what happened, babe? We were just talking about this earlier. It was, uh, it was, it was Patar. Once he realized that you weren't going to put up with his shit, he was like, oh, man, I didn't mean it like that. Yeah, I, I like, got up in his shit. I, I grabbed him by his shirt, and I was like... If I could tell you the amount of stories that are exactly like oh, this... Oh, dude, when absolutely. Let me guess, you were at Five Points, Columbia, South Carolina? Yeah, actually, we were. It was exactly. Our, it was our, dude, I don't know what's so up... Anybody, anybody I don't know what's up with the South Carolina people, dude. I don't... Okay, okay, hold on. I don't... Okay, for anybody listening, it's not necessarily South Carolina people. The, the South Carolina college USC. kids. Yes. The, the, There's like, something about these... these they are wild. They, no, it's wild, and it's amazing. You go there, and you have a wonderful time. That's, that's And then they want to be assholves. Like, whenever yes. I party with UTA... And I went to their, their their frat and sorority events whenever I went to downtown Dallas or Fort Worth. Probably one out of 25 times I'd run into an issue with somebody. And we'd chalk it up. We'd be good. And we'd go on our way. Dude, the USC crowd, for whatever reason, just because there's nothing to do in it's Columbia. It's about one out of ten. Everybody, dude, they're you assholes. You get bumped in. They stare at you. want to fight you. We had a group. A, uh, uh, you know, it, it, I'm not, uh, again, I'm not racist or anything. I don't care what color he is, but he's a white guy hanging out, you know, with a lot of guys that were definitely dealing drugs and stuff like that. So he just, he has this bad attitude towards him. Uh, just very, you know, just, just a thug. He was just acting like a thug. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, he, he ended up wanting to fight uh, Brer, <clears throat> one of you know one of our buddies. Anyways, we're not yeah. going to disclose names here. But anyways, he ended up wanting to fight one of our good buddies. Um, so I stepped in, and his entire crowd came in saying, "No, nah, we're all about shooting. We ain't about we ain't about that hand stuff or something like that." And it's just like I was I was politely and like really generously asking. You know, can I can I have a one on one, please? Can I can I just have a one? Dude, uh, the people are pussies, man. They Look. are, and I had to do with the titleist golf hat visor looking at me when I literally was looking at the brand name of his hat. He stared at me, and goes, "What the fuck are you looking at?" I'm just trying to order a beer. Pe- people are assholes, man. People Dude, are assholes. People are just dicks. And uh, alcohol. Have you ever seen uh, Mister In Between? No. Oh, dude, that's my favorite movie or my favorite show. Um, and. He he has a saying in there where he's like, because uh, he's going through anger management um, classes. It's a quarter class, and he goes, you know, um, I I just don't let people be assholes. Everybody else lets this person be an asshole until they come across me, and then I don't let them be an asshole. And that's like, it sucks, but like that's the ha- that's the mentality you have to go out with, out with. You know, like you can even. Hey, dude, it's no big deal. And they'll be like, yo, you fucking stepped on me. It's like, bitch, shut the fuck up. You know, people are just fucking assholes and they take it way too far. It's like, hey, everybody's just trying to drink and have a good time. It always takes that one person who you shouldn't have messed with to, you know, definitely change how you act. Yeah, and I'm not saying I'm that person. I'm not saying I'm I'm a badass or anything because I'm not. But I'm just saying, like, sometimes... People need to get hit. So no, sometimes yeah. It, it I think I, you know, I, I everybody everybody has a plan until you get hit in the face. Yeah. And it's like, well, it's, unless you're a fighter, then you you understand you just gotta adapt and do your thing. But yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I don't know. This uh, this is a strange place we live in. South Carolina is a uh, I don't know. I don't I don't know how to describe it. After being in Hawaii for so long, I don't know. You can only you know be in a place I, like this for so long. I like Charleston, I like Columbia, but overall I don't care for South Carolina. Uh, the people are rude. Um, there's a lot of old rooted racism here that I really just don't like. Um, you know, uh, I've noticed that in a lot of the South, really. Yeah, well, I've noticed it in Alabama, of course, mm-hmm. because I mainly go through Birmingham, whatever. And I'm I, and to I live home. there. I graduated from yeah, Alabama that's right. and stuff, so it, yeah, I definitely. Uh, South Carolina, you know. Um, not so much in Georgia because we've mainly just been to Savannah, um, but yeah, you know, I, I just don't like it. It's I don't like them. And I, I'm from Arkansas, um, and I never really dealt with it there. And I never really like black people didn't really deal with it there. White people didn't really deal with it there. Um, I mean, there were instances, but just it wasn't very common. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, what else you got for me? What else? Uh, what else is going on, dude? There's no agenda. You talk, I talk, and we just do it. Hmm. I'm trying to think. That's what she said. <laughs> yeah, good one. Um, I don't know. Yeah, there, I mean, there's there's so many different things that we can talk about, and obviously, you know, we could talk for literally days on the amount of stuff that we are going to be covering and stuff. But uh, so let's save it for the next podcast, then. No need to push your subject. No, let's not push it. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's awesome. I think we're going to be able to do a lot of really good things with UWB. Um, I think the agenda's right. I think, you know, me and you teaming up together is a, I don't know, I think that's a wonder team. Really, that's a dream team right there. Right. So, uh, you know, I think we're going to have a really big outreach. I think we're going to be able to reach a lot more people than just you or I would be able to. And, yeah, I think we're going to be able to do something pretty pretty damn, 
pretty damn awesome. I concur, man. Well, uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. And, you as well, man. Uh, you know, I'll see you at work next week unless you're rotted. But, oh, uh, nope, no. Not rotted anymore. Yeah, we just keep uh, cool. changing. Sweet, dude. No worries. Um, well, cool. Well, uh, we're going to end the podcast uh, here in a minute. And uh, just wanted to say thanks for the call. Thanks for having you on. Um, if you need anything, just reach out and get a hold of us. UWB fam, uh, we really appreciate having you guys here, everybody that supports us. Um, tell this to your friends. Um, this is sort of just like a shotgun blast podcast where we talked a little bit about everything, which is kind of going to be the agenda a lot of the times. Um, but yeah, um, you guys ever want to call in, I'll give you my number and we'll chat. And we'll discuss topics, dude. Absolutely. It's, it's whatever. Uh, male, female, black, white, left, right, doesn't matter to me. Let's just have a discussion. Uh, agree, disagree, we're all still American at the end of the day. Absolutely. And even if there's any people who aren't American who want to tune in, man, we'd love to hear some stuff about your country and uh, discuss things that you wish you could change or keep the same or bring to America. Um, you know, let's just talk. Absolutely. But, and uh, also, don't forget, uh, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify. We have you, uh, Patreon. Well, Patreon, yes, yes. That is a huge thing. Again, this is... Absolutely not a requirement. This isn't even something we're really asking for. It's just something that is available to anybody that you know does agree with the. It message. just feels weird to ask. Hey, you can donate if you like. Yeah, I, we're, like, we're we're not asking for money. If yeah, anything, like it's just you. it's just uh, weird. It's just, just like mandatory to have for a business is like set up a Patreon because then it does leave people an option if they support you to support you. Absolutely, you know? and it is going to enable us to actually really be able to bring forth a lot of information the more we grow and stuff like that and actually put on events. Uh, we're also, once we hit 750 members, we will be doing a gun giveaway. So we've already got a gun in mind. I've already got it. Uh, it will have to be anybody who's 21 or older. Um, and that's another thing real quick. We have no age limit. It doesn't matter if you're 13 if, or if you're 55, you're 107. We don't give a shit. If you want to tune in, if you want to be a UWB member, go sign up. It's completely free and we're just happy to have you. Absolutely. I really couldn't have said it better myself, man. Absolutely. Well, cool, dude. I'll call you after this. All right, brother, man. Sounds good. Thank you All so right, much dude. for having us. Good having you.